Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on April the 13th, 2021. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, not having to, or, or maybe having to, carry me on his back this week. Uh, caffeine raging. Oh, my king back. <laughs> on today's show, we're going to be finally getting to our March Game Club, which is Far Cry 3. We are shuffling some things up for the next game club, and we'll let you know right after that. We're going to have a Community Corner submitted article from good old Jim, and we'll have a Steam Discovery Queue timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. So, yep, I'm back, everybody, from outer space. My body was all busted. I had a sad look on my face. Um, I, uh... Yeah, I have so many problems with my body. <laughs> you and I have joked back and forth, like about which one of us is actually the cripple. Um, to to make a long story short, I have a herniated disc, uh, and so I was dealing with that for the last couple of weeks. Um, if anyone wants to know more, as always, you can feel free to hit me up. There's a a few people in our community that know a little bit more that I've talked to about it, but. Man, that sucks. Uh, don't ever get old. Also, work on your posture, everyone. My posture's terrible. I'm going to physical therapy right now, and that's one of the biggest problems that I have, is that my posture is terrible. Uh, don't get old. Uh, I'm older than you. Shit. I know. I know. Yeah, you're already fucked. But if you're, well, if you're well, not well, older... Well, not for lack of trying from your part. That's very true. That's very true. But, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Seems like I, uh... Like the, the one for, like for me in my personal life, the biggest downside to working from home due to COVID is that I sit in the same position in this chair for 12 to 14 hours a day, like, you know, eight to nine for work and then another, you know, three to five for play. Um, and my posture is real bad. And at least when I was in the office, I was getting up and I was walking around and, I'd walk up to the front and stand and, and do work on my laptop up there and bring clients back and whatever. So a whole year of, of sitting on my ass, hunched over my computer, ruined my back the rest of the way. It was already in bad shape. I've been in a couple of, of pretty severe car accidents and have dealt with lower back problems for years. So, you know, just take me out back and shoot me. Get it over with. Well, I'll tell you, your kidneys here are not even good for parts, so... That's, that's true. I, I'm not we even, were talking about I, I'm, that. I'm not even sure if you're worth the bullet at this point. That's true. Yeah. Was that, did we talk about that on, when we were recording for Frank and stuff, or did we talk about that before? Uh, yes. Yes. So essentially, yeah. I, I, I got, you know, I go for my yearly physical and blood work and all that jazz, and my kidneys, top notch. I have great kidneys. The rest of me, fucking mess, but my kidneys, real good. So if anybody needs a kidney, uh, you know, I'd be a good choice if I match you. If you need anything else, you're better off taking your chances with, you know, with what you've got. So, well, that got dark. Go. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, uh, that's what we do here. Yeah. And we missed the opportunity to just hear you high as fuck on, uh, uh, tr- 
just muscle relaxants. But considering yeah. uh, it was going to be a game club episode, yeah, there's already enough drug trips in this game. Don't need another one. Speaking of which, yeah, well, I mean, you you know, you you try to transition, but I'm gonna gonna not allow you to. So muscle relaxers, not widely known as like narcotic type substances but when you've been in severe pain for days and like you take one and it kicks in and your whole body just like goes limp and you're like oh my god i feel so good right now i just felt like i was at peace with the universe it was like i was high it was amazing they they don't have the the same effect anymore because i I mean I, i had one before we started recording and i'm fine well as fine as I guess I can be, you know, that within a range for Jared, but, oh, tr- you know, just that. Oh, trust me, I get, uh, you know, just being in incredible pain and they're just, it's not the muscle relaxer. Usually, like, a nice hot shower for my back issues, because where I walk yeah. with a limp, it'll put strain on one side of my back uh, more than the other. And the human body isn't meant for, you know... Uh, asymmetric uh, load like that. Yeah. So it just you know, starts to wear on it more and more until finally it's, okay, uh, you're going to sit down now or uh, I'm going to start uh, uh, having a spasm and, you know, it's going to be a bad day for you. Uh, but I definitely get, you know, setting down, putting some heat on and just, you know, that, you know, uh, all the endorphins from, uh, you know, your pain, your body gone. Uh, sit down, sit down, sit down. Uh, stop this, stop this. Finally, washing over you, like, oh yeah, that's the stuff. Yeah, that was that was lovely. Granted, I would rather not have to go through what I did to to get it. So I'll I'll pass on the future on on that in the future, body. Let's just, you know, we got the rest of our lives together, body. Let's try to work as a team. I'm I will treat you better. Yeah, you're falling apart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, obviously. So, yep, that's that's my story, my saddle body. Oh, and then I also got a sinus infection on top of it. So, you know, I'm laying in bed, in pain, coughing up my lungs. And every and time you cough... Like, Are you sure? And every time you cough, uh, it hurts even more. Yeah. The doctor's like, are you sure you don't have COVID? And I'm like, you tested me. What do you... Yes! Y- you gave me the brain massage yourself. I don't, I don't have the COVIDs. It's a sinus infection. You looked up there. You tested me. You saw all the things. You gave me the antibiotics. It's like, oh, you sure are coughing a lot. It's like, yep. Yeah, which we, uh, it's going to be interesting timing for this game club, actually, now that I think about it, uh, or for the next game club. So we might end up missing the next one, uh, since you brought up COVID because, uh, I got my first shot. Oh, uh, on, right. That's right. On actually April Fool's Day. So I'll be due for my next one towards the end of the month, uh, into the beginning of the next month. So let's see, four weeks, one, two, three, four. So if you actually stay on, like if they had get you perfect, mm-hmm. that would be the 29th of April that you would go back for your second shot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I suppose. Well, I mean, you know, we'll see how the time it works out. It's fine. We'll, we'll figure it out. Hopefully it doesn't hit you that hard. I mean, but. it didn't hit me as hard as Adida did. Uh, we're on the same one. Uh, it didn't hit me as hard as her. Uh, I basically you know, needed to go lay down and sleep it off. Uh, and the next day I was pretty much fine. 
with a little bit of a sore spot on my arm. She actually broke out in a little bit of a rash on her arm uh, a, a couple weeks later. Unsure if it's related to it. Or her doctor didn't seem that concerned, though, just because of the, like, the time. But she was groggy for a couple days from it. And yeah. then it knocked her on her ass uh, on the second shot. So we'll see. If need be, I might have to have you upload an episode. Yep, I can handle that. Um, the second one is the one that's been the worst for pretty much everybody mm-hmm. I've talked to, though. Unless you already had COVID and didn't realize it, there's been some data that's shown that people who had asymptomatic or mild cases of COVID um, and didn't realize they had it, when they get the first shot, mm-hmm. the body attacks it really aggressively, and they get those that nasty uh, experience from the first the the first Fauci ouchie. Yeah, well, uh, it didn't knock me on my ass that hard. So yeah, uh, there is that at the very least. Yeah, uh, but it's kind of funny seeing people go absolutely nuts about a handful of uh, of uh, blood clots uh, related to the Johnson Johnson vaccine. But you'll see uh, in the past uh, the same people talking about how. Yo, it's a 99.9% survival rate. Yeah. I saw something about that earlier where someone, what was it that someone brought up and I just laughed. I can't remember it now. Oh, well, fuck it. It doesn't matter. You know what else doesn't matter? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Getting our game called out on time. Yeah, that doesn't matter at all. But you know what we should do is talk about it. Um, Uh, So... Yes, we're just going to dive straight into Game Club, even though we each had some games that we've played in the interim. Just going to do Game Club and, and keep this one uh, at least to y'all's ears shorter. Uh, game Club, for the uninitiated, is when we intentionally, purposely play the same game at the same time and then talk about it on the show. Uh, thanks to things like Game Pass, we've had more sort of irregular game club style things where we play the same game at the same time, but that used to not be the case due to our differences in taste for uh, the month of March and now ble- bleeding into halfway through April. We played Far Cry three, um, a game that has been on our game club list for like since the, the list was made mm-hmm. in a game that I've personally not played um, for years to wait to play it for game club. Uh, and we have two very different, two very different thoughts on the game. Um, (laughs) Far Cry three, in case anyone doesn't know is, uh, obviously the third game in the Far Cry series, the first person open world shooter action series made by Ubisoft. Um, Far Cry three is the one that most people point to as, as being what led has led to the current formula for how Far Cry games work. And has introduced a lot of mechanics that most of us, I think, are sick of in uh, current year. But at the time, they were either new and inventive, or at the very least, had never been put into a first-person shooter game before. So there was a lot of novelty around them. Things like um, the first-person like climbing the towers, the radio towers, and the way that the game approaches certain aspects of like crafting and, and building up your your character, like... Yeah, things like that had existed before in other genres, but hadn't really come to first-person games yet, or at least not such a big one. So Far Cry 3 is kind of really known for that, pushing the envelope in in terms of what first-person open-world games could be. Um, 
But looking at it from our modern perspective, you and I have got some thoughts about it. Uh, I mean, where do you want to start on this one? You, neither of us beat the game. I got a lot farther in the story than you oh, did. Oh, trust but... me, I was done with the game. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, let's... Uh, let, let's talk about, holy shit, this game has not aged well. And not even talking about graphics perspective, because it is a little rough in the world. Character models look fine, but the crafting system, wow. It, it, this... It, it would be very, very, very tough to for anything to beat it out for the Video Game Logic Award this uh, year. As in, you know, it's this way because video games. It's horrendous. And no, sir, I didn't like it. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Um, why is it for... I, I don't like it either, although... You seem to hate it, whereas I just find it annoying. So, like, what it, from your perspective, well, what makes I, it so I think bad? it's a combination of that your character is so damn weak, so you're jumping through all these hoops to begin with. And you're having to go through so damn much to hunt down very, very specific items for... I think what, I think what really gets me is for really no context whatsoever outside of just because we said so. So having to get, like, dog leathers for, for whatever reason to get the... Uh, next weapon holster. I'm not sure if it's dog leathers. I don't give a damn if that's the right one. I'm using it as an example. Uh, and then you have to uh, go to the other side of the map to get a different leather, to, so you can the hold deer leather. So you can hold three weapons, and then you have to go fucking punch a shark uh, to be able to have an the entire weapon wheel of four weapons. That's true. You have to have shark leather, and it's that way for. Everything. Consumables? Yep. Gotta do the same thing. Your uh, inventory? Same damn thing. And the fact that, uh, the leaves for the medicine that you, uh, that you make for the consumables, they take up the same amount of room as everything else. And they do not stack at all. It's just, it's pulling teeth. Mm -hmm. And on top of being so damn weak in the very beginning of the game, Having one weapon, just getting jumped over and over again, uh, trying to get a little bit of power going. And I've realized a lot of it is uh, essentially a role playing of this character arc that eventually at the end they say, uh, no, you're bad for doing this. Bad boy, bad. Uh, it's just, it's so just not fun. To, so, so before, because you, you're you're intermixing two issues with the game, and they're they are definitely interconnected. Yeah. Like you do start out underpowered. Um, well, you're under the crafting system is is obtuse. My biggest issue with the crafting system, or well, not my biggest issue, but on top of that, it, it's incredibly clunky. It's got a ve- this game has very bad interface designs for all of its menus. Well, I, I don't I just know attribu- if, it's, if it's a symptom of just being a console. Yeah, I was just attributing like, that to console itis. That feels bad for even for console games, though. Like, I think that this game just has bad interf- user interface design. I think they were trying something new, and it was just bad. And instead of, you know, trying to fix it or improve it, they just said fuck it and left it in that way. It's very clunky. Getting through the menus is really obtuse and weird. Because I tried playing with a controller to see if it made it any different, and it didn't. It was still clunky. Just the only thing was it was like I was pressing, you know, a and B on my controller instead of clicking on stuff or pressing escape to go back and forth. 
The menus are really clunky. I don't disagree with anything that you just said about the obtuseness of the crafting system. Uh, I found myself constantly throwing away stuff or not going to pick up things on purpose because I didn't want to deal with the inventory management. It doesn't do what some games do where that when you get items that aren't actually crafting items and there's things that, that are just for to sell. Like, for example, you pick up trinkets and baubles all the time. And they have a monetary value attached to them that it shows you. But instead of it just giving you the money or automatically selling them or dumping them in sort of like a, you know, a, a junk space in your inventory where that you can just sell it later and it, it doesn't bother anything, they take up the actual inventory slots, which start out very limited and never get beyond limited. I forget how big the largest inventory bag is. I think it's somewhere around like 50 items or 60 items, something like that. It sounds like a lot, but then you realize that, okay, so uh, you're you're having to constantly get consumables to, or get stuff for your consumables. Uh, And then one of the talents uh, very early on has the option to get more than one item from those consume, uh, from those plants. Well, that's filling up your inventory even faster. Plus you're trying to get ammo and it's just, oh, and you yeah, and up. if it was 50 or 60 stacks of items, that would be fine. That would probably be more than enough. There might not even be 50 different items in the game to stack. But when you only have 50 slots and everything takes up an individual slot, then it just gets tedious. I basically was like constantly fast traveling back to the base to like sell all and just like sell all of even like my crafting materials. I didn't keep any crafting materials in my inventory except for what I was specifically working to craft the next thing of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so, you know, to, to shift off of that back to the other thing that you mentioned that was really bad from a gameplay experience, you start the game severely underpowered. You only get one weapon that you can only have minimal ammo for. You can only carry because of two grenades at the beginning, or maybe even one grenade at the beginning of the game. And not like grenade types. I mean, grenade. Yeah, because one of course. Grenade. Your grenades are limited, and that's tied to a crafting system. Your ammo's limited, that's tied to a crafting system. Actually, multiple craftings, because your quiver is something else. Your uh, throwing weapons is something else. Yep. It's just... It's quiver, throwing weapons, ammo for different types of guns. You have to craft ammo upgrades for those. There's, uh, like, a bomb bag where you can get, like, C4 and stuff, but you have to unlock it and then upgrade it. And then there's, you've got like a rocket pack, not like a jet pack, like a pack where you put like rocket propelled grenades in, but you have to craft that and then upgrade it. You have to craft the ability to carry multiple grenade types and then more of those grenades around. Like you, you start the game with, with one gun, one grenade and a knife. And it's, it's like, go forth my son into the world. And that's way underpowered. It takes two to three hours of crafting to be able to carry like i feel like at a minimum two weapons enough ammo to where that you have four or five reloads for each weapon because initially at least with i i picked like the the freebie assault rifle it gives you as my starting weapon yeah same you have two you have two reloads before you upgrade your ammo which is not enough for the amount of enemies that far cry throws at you and that's a problem that has existed in since the the original Far Cry, and I'll talk about sort of the history of the games, because I've played the older games um, up to this point. Um, but, you know, more two weapons, more ammo, and the ability to carry maybe three or four grenades, um, that would be where you should start. And it takes you like two hours to get there, if that's all you do is pursue the crafting. 
but the game is also constantly reminding you, okay, you need to go here and, uh, you know, talk to this doctor. You need to, uh, go do this. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, these, uh, hunt, uh, uh, uh side missions are up and you could also, uh, jump on this four wheeler and haul medicine, which ties into how ADD it feels at times. Yeah. On, on top of the fact that you're dealing with enemies that constantly respawn as soon as they uh, spot you. Unless you are able to pick them off, uh, pick them all off very quickly and stop them from calling reinforcements, which good fucking luck in the beginning. The, the, the strongest point of this game or the, the best point of the game, in my opinion, is uh, taking over enemy camps, which has got multiple purposes. Like that should be the first thing the game encourages to you to do is start taking over enemy camps instead of like making you do a hunt and making you go find the doctor and like go through the weird uh vision cave like all yeah. that's fine as like story progression but the first that, thing that, the that game felt should like do, trailer bait honestly yeah yeah the, the first thing the game sh- should do is turn you loose on a, a small area of the island to ca- take over like two or three camps that way you can establish a safe zone get some initial like equipment and upgrades and that can serve as the tutorial for the game but it gives you like one camp before you know what you're doing and it holds your hand through the whole thing and then like shoes you off to a bunch of other like random activities after that. So yeah, ADD is, is I think a good way to explain this game's world. It just is trying to cram too much random bullshit instead of focusing on the better aspects of the game and opening it up to players in a more organic method. Also known as being a Ubisoft game. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's, that is where I think the bread and butter of this game lies. Cause that's, it, it solves three problems for you. One, or it does three things for you. One, it emphasizes this game's strongest points, which is the, it, the way that it, it encourages you to have options to, uh, deal with the enemy on the map, to deal with like the pirate guys, Voss and the pirate guys. Because and we we both feel like because of the way that the progression system works before you actually get enough power to do some things, it does push you a little bit more stealthy than than you than we would than you would like specific like you specifically. I, I liked that, but you know if, if that gameplay style doesn't work for you, then that's not fun. Um, but because of the power issue, it pushes you to be more stealthy than would be preferred. But um. Once you do have the ability to deal with those camps in different ways, it does. Op- you do have a lot of different options for how to deal with them, and that's fun. And that's the best part of the core gameplay loop. Taking over the camps gives you safe zones because the enemies don't respawn uh, inside the safe zone. Like they can be wandering around, like if you run into a jeep, but when you attack them, they don't immediately call for reinforcements and four more jeeps show up. You just attack them and can kill them. And then it gives you a place where you can can get resources and dump your inventory because every camp has got like a little safe area where you can go inside and save your game and uh you know just like be safe and away from enemies and then it's got like the little auto store where you can buy ammo and and sell stuff you don't need yeah because Um, yeah uh, once again video game logic right right yeah ding so i mean that's where the game should be pushing players at, at the beginning like maybe do the radio tower thing um the, the first radio tower, and then have the player take over the three or four camps that are in that area around the radio tower. That would have probably been the best way to start the game, but it's oh, like, here's, I had radio trouble tower. Even getting, here's a camp. I had trouble even getting close to any of the camps because uh, the enemies were just uh, all over the damn place. That and those fucking dogs. For whatever reason, an enemy would stop, 
and a bunch of dogs would get out and I knew I was screwed. I might as well just fast travel back to base now and save myself the trouble because they would always hunt me out. Dogs are fast and they're small and they're deadly. They do a lot of damage uh, for their size compared to other animals in the game. Probably the only other animal that does as much damage to you as dogs do is uh, a tiger. And of, co- the and of come course, out, they'll get you. Uh, they also give you away, so you know. Then you have the entire jeep that uh, just dumped them out, uh, coming down. You know, and oh, they just called for reinforcements. So here's two more jeeps full of stuff. And oh, look, they brought dogs too. Yeah, that and I'm not excusing it by saying this, but that has always been a thing, at least in the older Far Cry games. It's terrible. I hate it. You could in in Far Cry Two there was weapon degradation, so you could get stuck in a loop where that you're trapped fighting enemies, and you've got enough ammo and skill to deal with them, but your weapon degrades to the point where it's broken, and then you're fucked. So, we, we each have problems with with the crafting system. We each have problems with the gameplay. You didn't get... I mean, I didn't beat the story. Voss, I mean, I think everybody who knows anything about Far Cry 3 knows who Voss is. Yeah. Um, I mean, they pushed him hard as soon as uh, they figured out, oh, uh, people really like this villain. Oh, wait, we killed them all pretty early in the game. Shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, Voss is, is a, an interesting, from a, a, like a gameplay perspective, like he's an interesting, compelling character. Like that person as a real person is horrifying and terrifying. But in a video game, he's a very interesting, fun protagonist. Or not protagonist, although that would be an interesting protagonist. Uh, Trevor from, from, GTA 5, but antagonist, rather. But the game establishes, like, in the very beginning, like, you see some other guy who's clearly Voss's boss, who, like, yells at him about something. And then he disappears, and that guy is out of the story until, you know, halfway through the game, whenever you beat Voss and kill him, and then that guy shows up, and that's your antagonist for the rest of the game. And he's boring and and not compelling. He's, like, a stereotypical, like, I'm the corporate evil bad guy. And you see, things are, this is just the way the system works. And I had that Voss guy there to control and and present a message. But really, I'm evil because I'm corporate. And it's like, yes, yes, you are. I agree. But also, you're boring. And this is a video game, and I want you to be fun. Yeah, well, they at least fixed that in the next one, right? (laughs) I I don't, I I have heard that Pagan Men is, is also a good or is a is a good protagonist because he's basically Voss for the entire game. Or are you talking about Far Cry Five Far, with well, Far uh, Cry Four? Okay, yeah. So that's that's pagan men. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I mean the story is, I would say, pretty stereotypical for this type of game. I mean Voss is very interesting, very compelling, uh, eccentric, and and provides you know the biggest uh, touch points for the story. But I mean, it generally it's like you know you show up. You get in this situation. I mean, we can talk about as many specifics as you want. I don't really care to talk about too many of them, except for that that your brother would be a better protagonist than you oh, are. But definitely. he dies in the beginning of the game. <clears throat> but anyways, um, yeah, but you know, yeah, you but get, then again, your brother would probably be freaking out if he woke up uh, getting tattooed. And that's true. and like I told you when we first started playing, you can tell your guy. Yeah, this is his first rodeo waking up getting a random tattoo on him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. May, he, he takes that very well. Yeah. My question is, what money do you put on what the tattoo is and where it is? 
I'm betting ass <laughs> and probably a unicorn. Oh yeah, definitely either uh barcode on the ass or some kind of like ridiculous tramp stamp. Or out or or my other if it's not yeah, yeah. The the stereotypical girly tattoo on this dude bro that yeah, he'd be ashamed of. Uh it's a random Chinese symbol that says chicken soup or something. <laughs> chicken soup fuck. That would be great. Uh, or no, no, it, it it's a uh, it's a couple of Chinese symbols that says some dumb fuck. <laughs> nice. Um, but I mean, the story itself is pretty typical. Outside of the interesting uh, points, plot points that Voss brings up and and his ex- eccentricities. Um, you know, you get yourself into this situation on this island, like you're you know a dumb frat boy or whatever, and. Yeah, yeah, they grow through this hardship and become like a mindless killing machine. But there's, there's this interesting mysticism stuff that's going on, and there's more to these islanders than meets the eye. And, um, throughout the game, essentially, you get to decide, or by the end of the game, you get to decide, like, do you stay on the island as some kind of, like, savior figure, or do you leave with your friends and go back to your family? It's like, that's what the game comes down to at the end. Yeah, then it punishes you for staying on the island because, you know, you're this mindless killing machine at this point. Yeah. Uh, never mind the fact that you still get grossed out for skinning animals. Oh, my God. That annoyed me so much. Like, I get it. Skinning animals is gross. I grew up on a farm. I've done it plenty of times. And, yeah, it never is not gross. But you get used to it. Like, it just becomes a part of what you do. And it's like, I'm 12 hours in. This is my 150th skinned boar. Like, you should quit being like, oh, gross, fuck. Like, you're get over it, dude. I have no sympathy for you in this situation. Oh, I had no sympathy for him uh, from the very beginning because uh, it, it, they work very hard to make literally their entire little group as fucking unlikable as possible. Or at least to me, that maybe that's it. Yeah, well, just, it, it was just, can we just let them all die? I mean, your brother seems to be the only somewhat decent one, and even he, you know, ends up with his brain, uh, brain splattered all, all across the jungle. Yeah, he gets killed in the, like, first 15 minutes of the game. Yeah, while you're sitting there uh, freaking out, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, during a stealth section. Yeah. Uh, one of the many somewhat forced stealth sections just because of how piss poor, uh, weak your uh, character is. And I think that might be part of the reason why I absolutely hate the game is that I'm not a stealth guy. I don't enjoy stealth gameplay. So, yeah. Between I think- between that and having the dogs just sniff me out the entire time uh, just yeah. Yeah, ruined what enjoyment I could find from the game because uh, there's all these things that are either glaring flaws that's been fixed in later iterations or things that just have not aged well at all that just made it a chore. Yeah. But, and and I, I definitely don't disagree with you. And I think it's interesting how you and I come down with our feelings on this game. I mean, I don't love this game, but I like it. I enjoyed sitting down and playing it for an hour to two hours at a time. Um... I liked the, all of the story missions. I liked sort of the big set pieces that the game gives you. Um, I enjoyed going 
and uh, taking over the camps. Um, I ignored, I mean, I checked out a bunch of the rest of the stuff just so I could, could. Nothing was really memorable or interesting about almost anything else except for the camps. There's a few things that are like treasure hunting and this island that you're on was, um, uh, like a, a Japanese stronghold or in, in World War II. And there's a lot of, of missions or not missions, but a lot of little activities you can do that involve collecting stuff related to World War II. I did think that those were interesting. There was some, uh, some neat history in some of those, but I mean, for the most part, can't doing the camps and, um, the main story missions were, were what I got the most enjoyment out of, out of from the game. And that gameplay loop was really satisfying for me. And I did really enjoy it. Like, especially once I got through the, the bad stuff at the beginning. I think that if at the, the, if the beginning of the game had worn me thinner, faster, I would probably be where we, where you're at. And I'm not saying you're wrong for feeling that way. Like, this is one of those games where it's like, oh yeah, it gets good after the certain number of hour marks. And it's not fair to, to expect someone to do that, to put up with the bullshit to maybe get to something that they like. Like, 100%. Like, if you don't like it, like, you don't have to keep playing it. Like, I'm not telling anybody out there that they should suffer through the initial four to six to eight hours, depending on how long it takes you, just with sort of some of the randomness of, like, well, I need to go find these things, and they might not be showing up on the map where it says they're supposed to be. Oh, yeah, um, that's what also got me, was I was trying to upgrade my weapons right away, so I'd have more than just one damn gun. And, uh, oh, it was the deer that got me. Uh I went all over that fucking map trying to find deer. And this is on top of, yeah, what I was talking about before. Having to deal with so many damn respawns, so many uh, damn enemies all over the place. And I only had one weapon, so, yo, uh, trying to liberate a camp was really, felt like, out of the question. And, yes, I know there's the stealth option for the camp. I tried the stealth option a couple times. It made things even worse for me. I, I told you uh, this one off air, but I'll tell it here, is that my last time w- that was just, I'm done with this game, was I was trying to liberate a camp. And the one of the mechanics in the game is the camps, for whatever reason, usually have some sort of highly dangerous animal in, this, in the world's most flimsy cage. Okay. And yep. if you shoot said cage, it will release the animal and the animal will go berserk in the camp and if not wipe out the camp, take out a good chunk of the guards. Well, uh, I took my time setting up on this hill, uh, uh, far away from the camp, uh, pulled out the, uh, the camera to, you know, for some, somehow mark all the enemies to, you know, be able to see their movements. Got close enough where I could shoot the, the cage with my, uh, w- with my compound bow, uh, you know, a stealth weapon or a silent weapon, I should say, uh, cage, uh, falls open. Uh, I can't even think of what the animal was inside of it. It gets absolutely massacred by this pack of dogs who then do a 180 and beeline for me. I kill them with my assault rifle and then, yeah, the jigs up so much for the stealth approach go through so much of my consumables to actually do it because, you know, uh, uh, I'm basically fighting from a hilltop uh, with very little cover outside of all the brush that's up there. 
you know, uh, they know where I am. So, you know, that's not helping me now. So at that point, after trying it a couple times their way, trying it my way, I decided, you know what? I'm going to go play RimWorld and play a game I'm going to fucking enjoy. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, Yeah, I did not have that that quite that experience. I mean, it was... It felt absolutely like a broken experience on that on that last one. I realize that is likely not to, going to happen again to me, but it just left such a sour taste in my mouth on a game I was already not enjoying that mm-hmm. I hadn't played it again because the game was still feeling like a chore. I was uh, three or four hours in. Uh, just this is on top of just doing. Uh, random stuff, not counting that. Three or four hours and just trying to get some sort of power up to be able to uh, have a fighting chance, have, uh, yeah, go on my deer hunt that, yeah, was nowhere near where it was supposed to be. If this is the best Far Cry has to offer, I veto every single other fucking Far Cry game from now on, including Blood Dragon. I think that Far Cry 3 is better than Far Cry 1. Um, Far Cry 1 has definitely got some some things that are better than Far Cry 3. Far Cry 1's a lot more linear. And, you know, certainly if you prefer linear gameplay, that is fine. Like, that is definitely things that, that someone can prefer. I don't like that, because Far Cry 1 is like, yeah, you can do stuff and approach these missions. And so many of them, especially in the late game, are are linear and there are some missions that might the game might as well just be a corridor shooter at that point. Oh, that's the other thing that Far- kind of got me was uh, at least in the beginning of Far Cry Three. So many times you're leaving the mission area, right? <laughs> yeah, Far Cry Two I think is the best one. Honestly, um, it's set in Africa, um, somewhere specific. I can't remember the specifics. It's been ten years since I played Far Cry Two, but it's set in Africa. Sort of the gameplay loop that keeps you going is that you get malaria and you've got to do missions for these people so that you can get your malaria meds and, and get out of the country. Um, I don't like the weapon degradation, but there's no crafting bullshit that you've got two resources. It's, it's in an area of Africa where there's a conflict over blood diamonds. And so you've got like straight cash that you use for some things and then diamonds that you get that you use for other things. And I think the cash is to buy stuff and the diamonds are like basically how you unlock the upgrades and so you know you collect the diamonds you upgrade your weapons and things like that and everything that's in far cry 3 in terms of like general gameplay mechanics except for like radio towers and stuff like that exists in far cry 2 and they try to make the world a lot more immersive because like yeah it, it with the map instead of it being just like a map that pulls up it's like your character like pulls out a map and looks at it and things like that can be annoying you know that's a personal preference thing but i always like that because it felt like they were actually trying really hard to make the game world um you know immersive and and make sense um with the level of technology that you're at because it's set in like the 80s or something like that like 80 late 80s early 90s I th- and i think far cry 2 is the best game in the series um at least that i have played so far um it, it does pretty much everything better than far cry 3 but it wasn't as quote unquote accessible as Far Cry 3 and it didn't have some of those things that 
people really look back at Far Cry 3 as being like, oh yeah, that was great that it introduced these mechanics into first-person shooters. And, you know, I, I think Far Cry 2 is the best one. Um, it's older, so it'll run on worse hardware if anybody listening has any, uh, you know, hardware compatibility issues or whatever. Like, if you can get Far Cry 2 fairly inexpensively, I think it's worth worth anybody's time. Like, I definitely think Far Cry 2 is better than Far Cry 3. Like, if you were going to say, like, Far Cry 3 is is the, you know, example to measure the Far Cry games against, then it's it's better than Far Cry 1, worse than Far Cry 2, and probably on par with the Far Cry 1, like, expansion. It had, like, a special release version for the Xbox console that added, like, a bunch of new levels and opened some stuff up. And I, I feel like it was probably on, on par with Far Cry one the special version or whatever for xbox and that that that's probably like damning with faint praise i guess but far cry 2 is better i do want to play the the games later in the series i've just always waited figured eventually i'd get to them play far cry 3 eventually and then play uh i guess far cry far 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 blah, 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 blood dragon and then far cry 4 and then 5 who knows you can beat far cry 4 and like 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you listen to Pagan and sit at the dinner table until he comes back. Yeah. And then they do just again, win the game uh, in the next one and didn't do it as well. Basically did the, you know, kind of jokey, uh, 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 you know, uh, well, you j- just did what he said. So, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm guessing just, uh, you know, shot in the dark here. You do not recommend Far Cry 3. Nope. Honestly, I don't either. I liked my experience with it. Um, I enjoyed what I played of it. But the thing is, is that the kind of enjoyment that I got out of it, uh, I, I have been playing other games for that enjoyment now that I'm done playing Far Cry for Game Club. The, the, the fact that I, after playing it for a couple hours, I would reward myself by playing a game I would enjoy. I should tell you what I was, uh, how I felt. Yeah. I mean, Far Cry kind of set for, for me by the by the end, uh, except when I was doing the story missions because I I did find those interesting and compelling, mostly because of Voss and his sort of uh, contributions there. But most of the time when I was playing it, I was doing other stuff, had YouTube videos going or listening to podcasts or whatever, um, just sort of enjoying the relaxed time and the gameplay loop and. That is better filled by games that I enjoy more. You know, Battletech, Factorio, Space Engineers. Euro Truck. Euro Truck. Elite Dangerous. Like, all of those games serve that purpose better than Far Cry. And there are many other story games that are better than Far Cry. First person, third person, RPGs. Like, so yeah, Far Cry 3. I mean, I had fun with it, but... I don't really recommend it because there's better stuff out there. Well, I didn't have fun with it, and there is better stuff out there. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, it's, so, yeah, it's going to yeah. be uh, fun to see if we can find some sort of worse cra- grafting system, huh? Uh, so, in or- yeah. so in order to be able to uh, uh, build your uh, bigger quiver, you're going to need the left wing off of three bats, and then you're going to have to collect some bear asses. Oh, man, bear asses. Dragon Age Inquisition, baby. Uh, Maybe in another couple of weeks. I had to send my controller off for repairs. Uh, actually, World of Warcraft. That, yeah, that, but that, that's several years from uh, years ago. Actually, before Dragon Age Inquisition, I believe. Yeah, I know. Oh yeah, definitely. The bare ass joke is from from that. But 
Dragon Age Inquisition does have bare asses that you can collect. I mean, it's it's an offline MMO is how most of Inquisition yeah. plays out. But I'll yeah. um, I'll save all of that for the future. Yeah, which is also part of the reason why I've been a, didn't really want to play it because it looks like an offline MMO. If I wanted to play MMO, I'd play an MMO. I'm, yeah. I'm just getting very curmudgeon, I guess. I, I want to play MMOs without other people, so offline MMOs are great for me. Oh, that's called Forza. <laughs> I, 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 right. I deal with people uh, once a month to be able to do my ranking so that I could get my Forza Ton thing, and that's it. Yeah. Although the online Drift Adventure, if I could get up to the point where I could do ranked on that. Indeed. All right. Uh, let's uh, Let's see. Our next game club, uh, we shuffled things around just because of how this uh, this worked out. So, what was it supposed to be? Uh, it was supposed to it... be Control. Yes, so supposed to be Control. We're swapping that with uh, uh, a normal lost phone. Uh, we're doing both of them, right? One and two? Yes, because yeah, we, so we're... we were going to do a double feature at some point to get us essentially back on track for 12 games for the year. Uh, then, you know, you know, uh, sh- uh, yeah, Jared has to go, you know, have his arm drop off. Yep. So, so I, I assume we'll work to have those end of April, first of May. That gives us between two and three weeks. Yeah. I mean, those are supposed to be pretty short games. I think a normal us phone is supposed to be between two and three hours and. The second one is also supposed to be about that yeah, long. Yeah, these are, I believe they were from uh, the that massive uh, uh, bundle that we got a while back. But they're, yeah, but, the one on But they're, they were also given away on uh, Prom Gaming, Twitch Gaming, whatever, at some point. Or at least one of them was. Isn't one of them on, isn't a normal lost phone on Game Pass as well? I don't, I'm not sure, actually. Uh, I've got it pulled up here. I'll, I'll search real quick. Uh it's it's trying. It's trying real hard. Search results for a normal lost phone. There's nothing there. I but it looks like it's still trying to search. That's it looks like the page is breathing at me. That's weird. Uh it's telling you that you need to renew your subscription. I <laughs> It's glaring at me. Okay. I don't I don't see it here. Although that might just be because it's being all weird on me. Regardless, um, there are other, you know, places where that you, you might have access to this game. Um, I also don't think it, that they're very expensive if you wanted to buy them. Let's see. A normal lost phone is $3. Is it on sale right now or is that its normal price? That's its normal price. Um. Yeah, and there is a bundle, uh, that's 10 bucks for all the DLC or five bucks if you get uh, just the games because they have the soundtracks as well for for it. So you could do uh, the games themselves, the games and the uh, soundtracks, or you could get the queer games bundle and uh, get quite a bit more. Indeed. So yeah, the 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 first one is a normal lost phone. The second game is another lost phone, Lara's story. So that's if you're if you're interested, dear listener, that's where you can uh, look it up. Um, so very inexpensive if you want to buy them. You might also have access to them in other places. So yeah, I'm, Okay, no, this is what I uh, was remembering from uh, Prime Gaming. Uh, Alt Frequencies uh, was put on there, if I recall correctly. 
I know I've seen a normal lost phone somewhere else. Maybe it was an epic giveaway at one point also. Um, but anyways, a normal lost phone and another lost phone. So, woo. I'm searching on the Epic Store now. Yes, woo. Um, so yeah, that's it for our game club for the month. Um, and for the next game club, uh, like we said at the beginning of the show, we're keeping it a little shorter and simpler this week. So we're going to jump on over to Community Corner, where we had an article submitted to us by Jim3535. Yeah, I was just double checking to see, uh, uh well... A normal lost phone was given away at some point on Twitch Gaming. Okay. Uh, because I have it over there. Which, by the way, go grab your games if you haven't. Yes. And alt, I have. alt Frequencies is there. So, yeah, that was there not too long ago. Right. Uh, another very interesting one that might end up on the Game Club at some point. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So, Jim sent us a thing. Counter-Strike Bug allows hackers to take over a PC with a steam and fight damn right yeah that's uh that's no bueno scientifically speaking no bueno yeah that's on the list of bad things and they actually have a small video uh they don't explain what the exploit is because of course they don't because that would be a bad idea uh but they have a video showing someone uh using uh this exploit to launch the calculator on uh windows what's doesn't sound very bad, but then you realize, oh, they could use that to launch anything on your computer. Yep. Or, you know, perhaps launch some sort of uh, FTP server, because, you know, Windows definitely has one set up in the ge- in uh, the operating system that could be activated, right? Yeah. According to this, they're saying the bug works 80%, or the exploit works 80% of the time. Uh, uh, I don't like those odds. Can, nope. can we go, can uh, we go back to like... the COVID survival rate of 99.9? <laughs> um, also, looks like Valve has been really slow to responding to this exploit. Um, Considering they originally talked about it in 2019, I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the article, there's a quote. It says, Valve's response has been a complete disappointment right from the start. Our experience has always been slow response time, with little to no patches being pushed to production. He told Motherboard yeah. in an online chat, they truly don't care about the security and integrity of their games. Yeah, they uh, they were a, a security researcher and I learned Valve about the bug in June of 2019. So we're coming up on two years of this if they haven't fixed it, which I haven't seen anything about a, a big fix in uh, 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 Counter-Strike, so most likely not. I think the Axiom always treat any link anywhere with uh, suspicion uh, works here as well. Yeah. Because, right? Yeah. I wonder how vulnerable this is getting off of this specific topic, but in adjacent one, I wonder how vulnerable Steam or Valve, their whole infrastructure they've created, I wonder how vulnerable it is. Because I get at least three emails a week that's like uh you know please confirm what it because i use two-factor authentication mm-hmm. that's like please you know confirm this to to log into your steam account you know please put in the code to log into your steam account it's like nah dog i'm good i didn't actually try to log in anywhere so uh trying to uh, trying to get my account there i see 
Uh, I would change your password. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have. I have for Steam. I have a few. Like, I, I've got a couple of passwords that I use repeatedly on just shit that doesn't matter. But I have a few things that have specific, difficult passwords. And Steam, like, Valve is one of them. But you can try to, to like, log in and reset a password um, with, without actually having to, like, you know, like, I forgot my password. But with two-factor authentication, then it's it prompts you to also put in the authenticator code before you can send the the reset email. So I, I get messages two or three times a week that's like, uh, you know, enter the authenticator code to uh, yeah for the reset. Yeah, that sounds like something else is compromised, and it's not just Steam because I've never gotten that. Or or it might be on some sort of uh, list. Probably. I'm probably on a lot of lists. I mean, not just, uh, you know, the FBI sex pervert list. Right. Uh, but, yeah, like, your, uh, some of your account information was leaked somewhere because that's, that's the annoying thing about living in the digital age is that you could do everything perfectly and still get fucked over because of uh, a company, you know, leaving all their passwords in plain text on a server somewhere, Sony. To pick a company uh, completely at random. Yep. Yep, yep. So, I, I use uh, very difficult passwords for what I consider my most important things, mm-hmm. along with two-factor authentication. Um, but I've got a bunch of random bullshit that uses, like, the same shitty password. Like, anytime I have to make, like, a bullshit account for something that's not going to have any financial information tied to it, I'm just like, eh, I'll use the bullshit password for this one. Like, one-offs. I had to make a, a password. I got so mad the other day. I had to make a password. I was having some issues with my printer. And I, I download, so I, I actually went and downloaded the actual printer, HP printer app or whatever. Oh, there's your problem. Um, to see if that would make it work. And I had to fucking create an account to connect my printer. I almost threw my printer out the window. I was so mad. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't work, I'll just trash the printer and I'll get a new one. Fuck this. And it worked. And I, But then I was mad because like I just created an HP account so that I could fix my goddamn printer. Yeah. I hate printers. Yeah. I haven't had to use mine much this year. Honestly, Anita uses it more than I do. Uh, uh, but uh, it is an HP, but it's an older one. So it hasn't had as many, as much bullshit tacked onto it. Yeah. Uh. Every so often, she has trouble connecting to it over the network, but basically just, you know, having her computer rediscover uh, uh, usually fixes it. Or at worst, yeah. uh, you know, I'll, uh, since uh, I'm crazy, so I'll uh, install, you know, stuff like OpenOffice, even though don't really need all the components, I'll still install them. I could still open a majority of the files that she'll need, so I'll just you know take the thumb drive from her and plug it in and print it out if need be. Because all right, yeah. Usually, I don't have issues with my printer. Like, I mean, it is a network printer, mm-hmm. but my computer is one of the only ones in the house that ever gets used to print stuff that's connected to the ne- the the network via a wire as opposed to wireless. Yeah. Because anything that, that Katie prints is over Wi-Fi, and usually if I'm, like, working on some homework with, with my kid and need to print something, like, I'm on my on my laptop, so it's over Wi-Fi, usually I don't have any issues printing something from my desktop. 
because it's connected uh, via good old cat cat six cable into the network. So there's no issues. Yeah, but uh, the the uh, the printer itself is Wi-Fi, uh, but uh, same with my computer. It's hardline right into the modem. Well, modem slash router, right? Yeah. But yeah, we're uh, welcome to the tech portion <laughs> yeah, of the yeah, podcast. We are a bit off topic, though, aren't we? We went from from hacking, uh, using Counter Strike exploits to uh, bitching about printers. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about this outside of boy, Valve is very slow to do things in general. Yeah, which I mean, you know, I'm not surprised. Mm. Valve is still uh, a, a a company after all, a corporation, yeah. or maybe not. A, I guess they're they're not technically a corporation because they're not. Well, no, you can be a corporation, not be publicly traded. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, we'll have to get Legal Eagle to uh, verify that one. That's true. That's true. I'll 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 call him up. Mm-hmm. I'll get out my my uh yeah, my bird yeah, collar. Yeah, but and... yeah, but then he says I'll see you in court, and you get worried if it's just this uh, sign off or if he's uh, suing you or what. Yeah, well, I mean, if he wanted to sue me, that's fine. He's very handsome, so I'd work for it. Legal Eagle, please don't sue me, if you're actually listening. I, I know you are. You love me. Hate me. <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole watching lockpicking lawyer stuff over the weekend. <laughs> I mean, I, like, I have been aware of him before, and you've talked about him, too, and, like, I, I've always I, liked him. Have you ever watched his April Fool stuff? Yes, I love that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I, I knew you and I tend to just watch a random bullshit on YouTube uh, most evenings. Yeah. Either that or, you know, occasionally fire up Netflix or something. And one time I put uh, the Beaver episode in the queue and she didn't catch it. So she just said they're, you know, playing our Pokemans. And you can see on her face, you know, she's half listening. And, and here's this Beaver I keep on the side that my wife doesn't know about. <laughs> and she yeah. just looks up like, what? <laughs> oh, it, it, if you don't if you aren't aware of lockpicking lawyer and you want some good humor go check out his april fools episodes there's i believe three of them four of them uh, but yeah. on top of that yeah he has some really interesting and very brief content most of his videos are sub five minutes yeah whenever something is spend- over five minutes you know yo shit's about to go down yeah I've learned a lot from him, though, about things that I just wouldn't think about when it came to, you know, how to secure things. Like, obviously, like, anyone who has enough time, tools, and motivation can get into anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a, a lock of any kind is not going to make your stuff, like, theft-proof. But sometimes, like, the way that we lock stuff up really doesn't make any sense or is actually really easy to defeat mm-hmm. or pointless anyways. Like, it, it at that point, it's just security theater. So uh, you know, uh, I've, I've learned a few things going down. Yeah. Um, but I, I've learned a few things watching these about how to actually more properly secure certain things or, you know, ways to actually provide a bit of, of resistance to things that you, you know, consider valuable. One, and like, no master locks. When you shouldn't. Yeah, no master locks ever. Um, and then like things that it's like, you know, people like go crazy with like all these securities on their doors, you know, your door in your house. But. You know, if you've got a ground floor window, it doesn't matter what kind of security system you've got on your door. Somebody can break into your house with a brick. Yeah. Uh, unless you've got, there, I guess, bulletproof glass, but. That reminds me, there's another one that you need to watch of Luck Picking Lawyer. The ice cream episode. 
Oh, I've seen okay. that where his wife cuts the the ice the yeah. bottom off of the ice cream instead of trying to open the lock yeah. that he put on it. Yeah, I mean it, it, that one reminded me. Oh, <laughs> uh, the lock is only as good as what that you're securing. <laughs> yep. I think my favorite episode of his that I've seen, and just like the way that, because of the way that he responded to it, was he got a thing from a viewer, and um, it had a, a a bottle of I think whiskey in it, and like some sexy like Santa panties. <laughs> and he's like, mm. you know, in case anyone doesn't know, there is a Mrs. Lockpicking lawyer, and she is not going to be happy about this. Please don't do this in the future. And like, he just go like, I, I love it. Like the subtle, but like very firm, like shift and like, oh, ha ha, this is very funny and, to like, and you know, no, seriously, don't do and this. You can tell, yeah, he was a little surprised by that one. Yeah. Is, I'm never, I have, I haven't thought to look this up. Is he actually a lawyer? Or is that just his, like, you know, I think he was YouTube at one, moniker? one point. I'm Googling. Is lockpicking lawyer actually a... Uh, yeah, he uh, practices uh, law as an attorney in Washington, D.C. area. Okay. Sweet. Cool beans. I've always wanted to learn how to, you know, pick locks and just, you know, for shits and giggles. Although a lot of... I've learned... I've also learned that a lot of security mechanisms can be defeated with a magnet. Mm-hmm. Just a decent magnet or a hammer. A lot of security. Well, yeah, but no, I mean uh, hitting it on the side. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitting it. Yeah, you break the the locking mechanisms or the pins or you know various locks break in different ways. But you don't even have to hit some of them very hard. You just have to hit them in the right spot. Anyways, uh, yeah, that was uh, community corner. <laughs> if uh, where where can they go if they want to submit something to us well, for community well, well first uh, you need to uh, get this uh, pick that Bosnian Bill and I made <laughs> <laughs> and you insert it into vglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet it to us vglpodcast on the twitter also on discord I changed a channel uh, that was like feedback and suggestions I changed it to submissions mm-hmm. so I mean you could put anything anywhere on our discord and we'll see it eventually but well that's the specific place that we have now designated if if you want to you know put things in for us to talk about on the show the submissions and suggestions channel yeah and you can find out uh, you can find a link to that over at beachlpodcast.podbean.com yeah doing all so the things. are you yeah. Are you wanting to do Discovery Q yeah, or are I'm good you wanting for to wrap it up? Oh, okay. What about you? Well, then, yeah, well, I'm I'm good. I can handle a doobly-doo for Discovery Q. Uh, so hit the music. Yeah. As, of course, I have my cue up. I had to skip one because uh, the titties were out. Oh, my. So does that mean that I actually have got one? Like, no, I'm, I'm uh, pasting a link right no, now. No, I already have one. Uh, oh. First class trouble. So, uh, a party game where players must work together against each other to survive a disaster. But one of them is a traitor. Uh, so one, another one of these social interaction, uh, you know, deception games uh, that has become very popular in the last you know, year or so, right? Yeah, I mean, there's been games like this for a long time. I mean, hell, we played essentially a board game version of this back when we still had community nights. Uh, but this one seems very well polished, actually, for an early access game. 
Uh, although they are expecting to be in early access six to 12 months, which, you know, whenever they say 12 months, oh crap, that's going to be, you know, like three or four years. It could be infinity. Yeah. But they are looking to include more levels and more content, which looks interesting. So, yeah. Uh, looks, looks interesting. Yeah. Um, so I got one that I'm very interested in. Colony Ship, a post-Earth role-playing game. So this is an isometric um, RPG uh, that um, looks like it's trying to be an actual, like, you know, CRPG. Ooh, um, that does look fun. Made by a studio who's made games, a few games that I'm not familiar with. So, yeah. Um, still, though, uh, I'm, I would be very interested in more games like this. Um, and, I mean, I'm a, I've said it a million times. I'm a sucker for sci-fi uh, the fact that this is, like, set on a colony ship, like, just getting all the tingles, um, looks like there's a pretty detailed, in-depth, like, inventory system and stats, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm all about this, uh, as long as it is, is decent. It's early access, which is a little bit concerning for these types of games, um, you know, the original Divinity suffered from the way that its development dovetailed. There's another one that I mentioned that I that I talked about last year or maybe two years ago that was a similar, like, sci-fi CRPG that was in early access. And, you know, it only had, like, 12 hours of content available. And that was good. But then, you know, it there was nothing else to yeah, it. Yeah, did they ever do anything and else? It got one major update. I don't know if it got any more after that. I haven't checked in on it in a while. I should look it up and, and check it out. But Yeah, I know what you're talking I'm about. Gonna, it was the sci-fi one. Yeah, like alternate uh it was like in the 70s but it was alternate like um some kind of alternate reality opened up like a dome in the middle east and yeah and disco didn't die yeah disco didn't die so i mean i'm gonna keep an eye on this um if it got cheap enough i might buy it even if it had 12 hours of content and that was it like you know if i could get it for five bucks that might be worth it you know so keep an eye on it so i got dwarf romantic uh, okay. Dorf, uh, uh, boy, that's a tough one to try to pronounce. A peaceful building strategy puzzle game. Uh, basically, take the grid of Faria and make it a essentially a deck builder where you're building out the world one tile at a time, almost uh, Settlers of Catan esque. And as you build out, you're building up the city and uh, the surrounding landscape. And the puzzle aspect comes from it where different tiles can lock together to have improvements. So, for example, on one of the street or one of the trailers, they show uh, how uh, the uh, uh, different uh, farm tiles could lock together to become a bigger farm if you rotate them properly. Or putting a windmill in the middle of a farm improves the farming around it. Uh, how uh, streets lock together to be able to build up more a city, uh, more of a cityscape or, or bigger towns. And then there's quest tiles that uh, unlock essentially the story of it. And it's supposed to be a peaceful city builder or peaceful town builder, which is a nice change of pace because typically there's some sort of... Uh, combat in these games that draws attention away from the, you know, pure just, you know, setting, building up a, 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 you know, a little village. And you can see mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, like, that last screenshot, it shows 
them uh, planning out the river, going up and down the river, going uh, down this railroad. So that puts in, I guess, more of a like a steampunk feel, uh, or or yeah, uh, late eighteen hundreds, uh, early nineteen hundreds, depending on how they want to do technology. And it's just, it just has something about the art style about it that I really like. It's pseudo hand drawn. Yeah, that- dwarf romantic. Dwarf romantic. So are you supposed to say it as one word or two words? Well, well, that's the thing is that the title has it as one word, and then the 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 thumbnail uh, for the game has it as dwarf romantic. Yeah. Well, yeah. Does that mean something in like another language? What happens if I stick that in Google Translate? So much porn. <laughs> I mean, all right. Uh, nope. That doesn't show up as anything uh, outside of the game itself. Yeah. Looks like uh, it's so. gotten quite a bit of buzz. I mean, there's a, a rock paper shotgun article about it. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. So well, I, I do have a, a game, but while you know, once I got my game pulled up, I went and looked, and the game is called Encased, the the one we mentioned earlier, a sci-fi post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. RPG. Currently, it ha- or very recently has been review bombed. Um, I don't quite know why. It seems like that they it's been an early access longer than was expected and the story hasn't developed in the way that people would want it doesn't look like the game is like dead dead but i think most people are upset that it's not progressed as fast as they'd want so or there's no communication or or there's a lack of communication yeah that could be true as well so just uh i wouldn't looked it up give me an update all right, so the next game on my Discovery Hue list is Aaron's Yeah, it looks Adventure. like a communication. I was looking on the forums, so that's it. Okay, yeah. So Aaron's Adventure. Uh, action adventure RPG that is in uh, a, a very uh, minimalistic art style fantasy world. Um, very vibrant colors, very beautiful. Um, I, I assume they're going for a, you know, Legend of Zelda-esque feel, because quite a few screenshots here are, are reminiscent of, of Zelda. Um, and so, if the gameplay's good, I'm always up for a good, you know, fantasy action RPG. Um, very good art style, minimalistic. I, I love that look. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it might be becoming too overdone, but I do really love the vibrant color minimalist art style. Um, looks like it's, it's an open world. Um, so possibly Breath of the Wild inspired. I don't see anything like in the blurb that uh, mentions that, but, um, it does feel that way looking at it. So yeah, is it, is this early access? No, it's not early access. So this is just a, a straight release and it just released, uh, last week. So, well, a nice change of pace for uh, early uh, for uh, the discovery queue, huh? Yeah, it looks looks good though. Yeah, looks good. Yeah, so getting back to early access games, right? Uh, I got the Tenants, a, essentially a tycoon style game where you're a landlord and having to deal with wacky, uh, uh, yeah, renters. Uh, th- this could be a very problematic game if you're not very very careful, though, right? Fall into some stereotypes. Yeah. Uh, overall, it looks like it's getting pretty good reviews, though. Uh, and they're acting like it's uh, going to be a landlord across several properties across a town instead of, like, an apartment complex. So that opens up a little bit more flexibility. And this is something that I'm a little surprised hasn't really, you know, been tackled very much uh, for uh, this type of tycoon game. Where it's just... 
you know, dealing with uh, rental properties. You know, I'm just looking at this. Uh, does look like uh, they do have where the tents could get rather bad. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm very leery of this. I mean, I love tycoon games. But at the same time, this feels a, a little borderline on, on good taste, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm... Hmm. Uh, this is from the same I developer, I'm... I think, from S. House Ripper. So I, yeah. so I think they're not going to really address any possible issues and just, you know, deal with the game uh, as is. Actually, it looks like uh, they made Glorious Companions. I think it's from the developer, or from the publisher. Yeah. Yeah, publisher of House Ripper. I mean, I'll take a look at it at some point. Uh, and if they gloss over it, I mean, you don't have to... Every game doesn't have to be, you know... Uh, Talk about social economic problems, right? Yeah. But also, I'm just looking at this. It looks like there's a lot of busy work where one of the screenshots show uh, you have to have a very, very, very specific things for your apartment, uh, and you're basically renting out furnished apartments. I mean, interesting. Not sure why you would need completely first apartments for this, but yeah, right. Yeah, it's early yeah. access though, so it's you know we'll see where it goes. Yeah. So I I got one that I'm gonna play it safe and not link to. Oh boy. Um, the breasts are not exposed for your pleasure on the screenshots, although that one is very close. I'm just gonna just gonna play it safe. It's called Subverse. One word. Subverse. Uh, that's the one I got at the beginning of my discovery queue. And uh, look at the community uh, hub. They're all over the place. Oh, okay. Alright. So, yeah. Sci-fi, sexy porn game. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's like a so, parody. If it's, the, if it's what I think it is. What's it supposed to be a parody uh, of? A parody of sci-fi in general, it looked like. Oh, uh, okay. Apparently, it's been free before on Steam. It's 30 bucks right now. It's a couple years old. So. But, yeah. It looks like it's got all different types of gameplay, though. Like, there's some kind of turn-based mm -hmm. battles and then, like, a shmup gameplay and like, sexy dating stuff. So, you know. So, the, the while not on the store page, all over the community hub, the breasts are exposed for your pleasure. So, there you go. Yeah, I'm not going to, uh, not gonna link that then. Sub. I mean, pretty much as soon as it said adults only uh, on the store, whoop, right? Oh, I missed the adults only tag. I mean, I'm sure it was there, and I just didn't see it. Uh, it was on the, uh, uh, warning on uh, the on the discovery queue itself. We're showing this to you, but you have adults only, uh, and, uh, not disabled, essentially. Uh, okay. So I got the Slormancer. Uh, fight hordes of uh, enemies led by the Slormancer, an evil warlock from the past. An absurd yet epic action RPG. So feels a little bit like uh, you know, pretty much. All, uh, all the ARPGs uh, enter the gungeon, that sort of thing. Only uh, with uh, some sort of progression system that it, the screenshots don't really make very clear. Uh, and it is, of course, early access because, of course, it is, right? Yep. So uh, keep an eye on it if it looks interesting to you, if you need another ARPG. It looks like overall the it's leaning a lot more towards RPG than uh, most of these have, though. Where you have proper character levels, you have proper character progression outside of just the overarching 
progression of, you know, oh, you died, but you got some points to unlock something for your next run. Uh, but they go a little bit over the top. The Greater Primordial Sword of the Vindictive Slam is involving into the Greater Primordial Sword of the Impeccable Vindictive Slam. So, involving weapons, uh, all sorts of different skills. I mean, yeah, I mean, looks interesting. Uh, they say that there's only three classes, at least right now, though, so, you know, that could be a little bit of a limiting factor, huh? Yeah. Looks like, so, looks like uh, Mage, I... Archer, and Warrior. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so I got Open TTD, um, which is uh, Transport Tycoon Deluxe. This was made, oh man, forever ago. Um, it was an open source version of the uh, old Transport Tycoon Deluxe game. Uh, so, you know, hence Open TTD. Um, I mean, you've been able to get this in places for years, but apparently it's just come to Steam. Right. Um, it's it's still free yeah. on Steam. You can and you know you can get it free there. It's got tons of uh, you know mod packs and content packs that have been developed by the community. Looks like skimming through some of the stuff on the store page that this is just this is going to allow automatic updates um, for the game. So if you've played Open TTD before and you've got a save that you'd like to keep going, probably be able to import it um, onto Steam or. Um, maybe even you could connect it to Steam. Like, I know Steam lets you add non-Steam games. I wonder how adding a Steam game would go... Yeah, regardless. This is worth playing. If you <laughs> if you somehow have never played this before, and you like all of the sort of transport games I talk about, like Train Fever, Transport Fever, etc., you know, this is, I think, what a lot of people think of as, like, the daddy for that genre. Um... So, and it, it's good. I mean, it's it's old, so it definitely is not graphically impressive. But Honestly, the gameplay is excellent. It's very... You don't need to be graphically impressive for a tycoon game. Yeah, definitely. No, you don't. The, the gameplay is very deep, um, very, very good, very intricate. <laughs> you got a lot of different things that you can do. And like I said, it's... This says that OpenTTD was first released quote unquote March 14th 2004 I think it's even older than that although I could be wrong but you know you've got somewhere between 15 and 20 years of of custom content that diehard fans of this game have been making so there's a lot of different things you can do so if you like this type of game you've never played it before yeah uh, two thumbs up would recommend that you should check it yeah, out I messed around with it a little bit and Let's put it this way. You don't have to worry about hard drop space on this one. <laughs> no, I just went to download it, actually. It's 39 megabytes. Yeah, let's, uh, is, let's is put it this install. way. Uh, system requirements. OS, Windows 10, 8, 7, Vista, 32, and 64-bit. Processor, yes. <laughs> <laughs> is that actually what it says? Uh, that's minimum. Processor, yes. Memory, oh my gosh. 256 megabytes of RAM. Do they even sell RAM that small anymore? Not unless you buy, like, old, you know, old RAM, DDR1 or 2. I don't even know if you can get RAM that small in DDR3. But yeah, open TTD. Uh, get it. If you like this sort of game and you never played it before, you won't be disappointed. Okay, so, uh, another management game. And hey, I actually got one that's not early access, so I had to throw it in there. Out of the Park Baseball 22. This is the yearly release of Out of the Park Baseball, uh, the hardcore baseball uh, 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 simulator. 
uh, management game. I essentially think football management only baseball. If you're interested in this at all, you know, uh, you have to be a pretty hardcore uh, baseball fan to be perfectly honest. I think it's actually on Game Pass or the previous version is. And you could go in and build your own uh, team from scratch and put it up against the majors. You could go through the minor leagues. Uh, I mean, there's actually a fair amount of management content here, business management content. You could go into just the nitty gritty of club management, uh, deal with uh, uh, all the business decisions as well. I mean, it, it's quite complex before you even get to the, uh, to the actual baseball part of it. And I know baseball is really waning in popularity, especially these days with uh, certain uh, portions of the population. Yeah. Not to get overly political, at least today. Right. Uh, but yeah not, yeah, not this time. But yeah, if you want to tackle a, a baseball game, there you go. I'm trying to see if uh, they do talk about card packs, but I think it's not a microtransaction. At least it doesn't look like it. It's just, you know, a randomness of, uh, uh, for the essentially fantasy game or fantasy team. So, yeah, it doesn't look like there's a microtransaction, at least not that I can find on a cursory glance. So, yeah. Sweet. Um, so I, I got one that I was super excited about at first, and then the more I looked at the store page, the less excited I got, but I still want to talk about it. Uh, Super Mecha Champions. Oh, boy. Action shooter fe- featuring Mecha Combat, which set in a neo-futuristic Alpha City. And it was like, sweet, super anime-style, mechs, over-the-top anime, like, down for it. Then I scroll down the page. Free to play. Then I scroll down the page. Oh, of course. So... It's, uh, they're, they're touting multiple gameplay modes, but they've got like a, you know, the now sort of standard 100 player battle royale, uh, some kind of a PVE mode. I, it's probably going to be microtransaction bullshit, but I was really excited about Mecha. I mean, it looks cool and the screenshots. I like the cartoony art style. Um, the trailers make it look very, very fun. Uh, sort of like a mix of like, um, Armored Core. Um, like hardcore anime, armored core is is what the trailer makes me think of watching the trailers of the game. But you know, it's probably gonna be full of microtransaction bullshit. It's only got a player base of thirteen hundred players right now. Like, and it, this game just released onto Steam. I'm not sure if it's on other uh, platforms or or what that might be bolstering that player base. But today's peak, 2019. Currently playing 1,304. So that's not a good sign. No, no it isn't. So... Oh, shit. What? Oh, that just... Halo Infinite popped up on, on my Discovery queue. Uh, well, you can talk about that in a moment after I talk about... Drum... Uh, Dramatical Murder. A, a vibrant cyberpunk visual novel about, well, guys in love and dealing with murder. I didn't want to go too deep into it, just because, you know, spoilers, visual novel. I did look a little bit into it, though. It is Yahweh. If uh, that squicks you out, you know, 
gay love, man-on-man love, uh, avoid it. Uh, but, you know, you're also listening to Jared, so obviously it doesn't turn you off that much, right? Teehee. But it has a very, well, bright version of uh, cyberpunk, doesn't it? Where cyberpunk goes one of two ways. Either neon dystopian, you know, very dark, or this where it's a little crazy, but it's still very bright, very you know, optimistic, you know? And while it does yeah. get a bit adult, even in the screenshots, it does seem like it's censored on some of the more explicit stuff. If you wish to get more explicit, there is uh, the uncensored version that you can buy on a different website, but yeah, Steam being Steam, right? Yeah. But I did want to offer it up as you know, a visual novel that actually looks fairly decent. Okay. Time to go about Halo. Well, so... Halo Infinite is a bit of a mystery. Like, the... There has not been as much shown off about the game or confirmed about the game than, you know, people would like. The thought is that it's some type of more open-world Halo game. I mean, it's the next mainline Halo game that refocuses back on the Master Chief... Um, set on a new Halo ring. The multiplayer portion is going to be released for free. I assume it'll be full of microtransaction garbage. They did that with Halo 5 for the multiplayer. So, fuck them and fuck that. But if they actually deliver on an open world or more, you know, closer to open world Halo experience, maybe like, instead of trying to do like one big open world, to do just like larger open areas that still serve as sort of a contained levels for the main story that would be amazing but i've seen all kinds of wild speculation about what this game is going to be and because uh it's first like massive reveal was supposed to be e3 2020 which as we know was canceled um because of the covids and then there was some live stream footage and there's a whole bunch of questions dangling in the air about what this game is and it was supposed to be a launch title for uh the new xbox and it got pushed back to uh like late you know early 2021 and then it got pushed back again so who knows like i want halo infinite to be good i mean we've we've talked many times on this show about how invested i am in the halo universe and how much i like the games and things but it's there's still a lot of question marks on it but it just feels strange to see it pop up on steam like, I know that Microsoft puts their PC games on Steam now, but just seeing it there was like, oh, huh, that's interesting. I mean, I'm not, I'm definitely not going to play it on Steam. It will be on PC Game Pass. So that's where I'll be playing it when it comes out. But still, pretty, pretty neat. Okay, speaking of also pretty neat, rounds. A one-on-one <clears throat> roguelite shooter where the loser actually gets to pick the power-ups to try to counter the winner. So an uh, example of this on the screenshots is <clears throat> after you die, you get a choice of five power-ups. Uh, loads more bullet speed, more damage, but the attack speed uh, goes down and the, uh, a lo- longer reload. Bullets have thrusters that push targets, uh, but causes longer reload. Spawns a bunch of small bombs around you when you uh, block. You gain more HP, but uh, you uh, have a longer block cooldown. 
Uh, blocking creates a healing field for more HP, but you get uh, a longer cooldown on your block or slows enemies uh, down around when you, you when you block more HP and uh, longer block cooldown. And the loser gets to choose, and it affects it seems everyone, uh, both you and the winner. So you can try to screw over the winner by picking something that you know that are bad at with. It's one on one, both online and local uh, PvP. It's very entertaining looking if you get you know, a bunch of people over and you know, take turns, right? Yeah. It is a little bit of a shame uh, since they're talking. It looks like this is more focused on couch. Yeah. Well, right? Uh, couch PvP, not couch co op. Uh, yeah. uh, where it's essentially just one on one, but it has this little big planet esque feel of, you know, everything's on like strings and built out of boxes, that sort of thing. But still one on one combat, which feels a little bit odd. Whenever, you know, it feels like it really be home, like 3v3 or, or uh, you know, uh, three, uh, uh, one, uh, three player PvP, four player PvP, or teams, that sort of thing. Have some sort of additional thing on top of just 1v1. Although, yeah, if you had people over to play with or, you know, had a tight-knit group, or hell, not even a tight-knit group since it's 1v1, you know, someone you'd want to play, you know, a few rounds with very quickly, this could be something that you could grab real quick and just have a lot of fun with. Assuming that there's enough content there, they say 65-plus unique power-ups and 70-plus maps. So, yeah, right? Looks like a lot of fun. Not sure how deep it is, but, right? That's not yeah. exactly the point. It of looks it. interesting. I yeah. So I, I got a couple that you already had. Mm-hmm. Um, I got another porn game that honestly didn't even look worth mentioning. Um, and this is the last game in my queue. And I'm honestly a little confused about like okay. So this is very clearly a mobile game. It looks like someone. It's called Aircraft Carrier Survival Prologue. Like mobile game keywords all over the place, right? Um, and it looks like someone tried to smash together, like, some, uh, Fallout... What was the Fallout mobile game? Um, whatever, that style of, like, build up your base on the inside and get people in with, like, some World War II stuff, like, carrier planes. And then I went to look it up on my phone, and it's not on the Play Store. That doesn't mean it's not on, uh, the, you know, App Store. But, like, just, I just don't... I don't understand... It looks like there might be some other gameplay to it, but I don't... I don't know. This is a very perplexing thing. So I'm going to download this game since it's free to play and very clearly, like, well, mobile bullshit, well, even if it's not on. Well, the developer has some uh, good titles behind them. Hard West. Okay. Ooh, Hard West is an excellent game. Uh, it's the same developer. Okay. Well, maybe uh, I might have misjudged... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if I've misjudged this or not. Oh, hey, there's two of them. Aircraft Carrier Survival. Oh, okay. All right, I see. Okay, now I'm less confused. So I see what they're doing here. Aircraft Carrier Survival Prologue is like either a demo or something for actual, a game called Aircraft Carrier Survival. Which is still upcoming. Um, Which is still upcoming. Okay, I see what they're doing here. I'm less confused. I'm glad you said that, because if you hadn't said the developer of Hard West, because I didn't think to go look at that, uh, I wouldn't have have actually searched for it on Steam. Yeah, it looks like this is um, some sort of uh, uh, survival slash tycoon game. 
uh, uh, yeah. dealing with, uh, well, surviving as an aircraft carrier, but also it's like you're getting machine planning as well and recon to be able to send missions out to try to you know, survive the World War II. Uh, I, 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 it's oh, I, well, I paused and said the war, then I went double checked. Yeah, World War Two, not an alternate reality thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's a five gig download for the prologue, whatever. Um, I mean, just looking at the management options, it looks very in depth, and that looks like a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, at first glance, though, it looks very much like a mobile game. That's uh, that's because um, it has a lot of, like, Fallout Shelter vibe to it. Fallout, yes, Fallout Shelter, thank you. But yeah, okay, if there's a lot more to this, I'm I'm interested. I'm, I'm glad that I decided to talk about it instead of just skipping over it, because now I, I investigated. I'm going to check out You mean I investigated Prologue. by clicking the developer name and... Well, I also investigated by looking other things up, too. I helped. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to download the prologue thing and play it. Um, let's see, how much does aircraft carrier survival? Is that going to have a cost on it? I didn't see I one, but it. I didn't really look. No. Okay, just coming soon. Okay, cool. So Wait, is there another one that they're working on? Destroyer the U-Boat Hunter. Maybe it's a companion. Maybe. Anyways, go ahead. That was the last game on so my list. I, so I have this and possibly another. We'll see. I have two remaining on my queue after this. Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. Uh, as a classic isometric city builder uh, game inviting players to experience the mysterious history and culture of ancient Mesopotamia. I looked at a couple reviews and it does look like it's a very demanding game. It's a lot of little moving parts. There's a, a, a very old in its styling where it's not just, you know, uh, a very generic, uh, you know, you have a, a couple things you have to worry about, and that's it. It does look like... Uh, that's the thing. I'm looking at the different reviews. There's one that's saying that's overly complex, and then there's the next one down is saying it's too simple. <laughs> so which is it, right? It does look very Indeed. old, though. Uh, and that's like we talked about before. A game doesn't have to be pretty to be good. And it does look like there's a lot of moving parts to some of the game, at least. Uh, at least uh, on the city building and the uh, trade side of things. Maybe it is a case of the military being overly simplistic and the economic side of things being very uh, uh, complex. It's not early access, so that's a plus. It's in the, you know, that niche uh, AA price of 20 bucks. It does look like it has mod support and localization uh, built in, so you can't expand the game with mods, assuming that the community gets behind it, of course. Uh, it does have uh, already a couple patches uh, under its belt, so... Yeah. I mean, another decent-looking city builder. I mean, it's sitting at 76%, uh, but it only has 97 uh, recent reviews and 500 total. What else is... Th it looks like this developer doesn't have anything else on Steam, at least. So, yeah. Let's see... Oh, that looks terrible. That looks even worse. Yep, that, that looks worse. So that's the end of my queue. Cool beans. Well, uh, with the, our discovery queues being over then, hey, Rage, hit them with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me uh, maybe a, a t occasionally tweeting over at ca uh, GameOCR. Or if you wish to be my friend on Steam, you can do so Caffeine Rage over there. And you've been? 
gaming psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for cert for 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 super for for. Uh, gonna start with a flub and we're gonna end with a flub. Uh, find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can send a friend request to JRThen4707. Also, you can hit me up on Discord. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode you're coming from, password for this week is Damn Dogs. Ah, oh, those damn dogs, right? Indeed. So, once again, we. Uh, I uh, want to say if you wish to contact us with your voicemails, uh, letters, game related topics, you can do so at vglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at vglpodcast or drop us a link on our Discord. You can find that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. And our lovely, lovely patrons have made that possible. Patreon.com slash vglpodcast if you wish to support the podcast or if you wish to help us another way. Get spread the love. We are on your podcatcher of choice, iTunes, Google Play, and get some more people listening. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Key music is Doobly Doo by the same artist. You can find his work over at incompetech.com. And as always, as the lovely music starts to roll across my voice, it's been two weeks. Give it to me, right? (laughs) I. I wasn't going to say a word. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye.